Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Money Awakenings. I am your host, the Financial Shaman. Whoo, the Alchemist coming to you live, sort of, half live. Ah, to where I am, wherever you are, I hope it's a great day and you're doing okay. Everything is okay. Um, where I am, it's a beautiful morning. It's still outside and a little chill in the air, a little fall coming. It's interesting how inspiration works <clears throat> when you're listening to your heart all the time. What I notice is it never, it doesn't, <laughs> inspiration technically, traditionally doesn't like being regimented in my experience of it it much more prefers in me at least to uh, be able to strike whenever it wants have the freedom to do it whenever it wants though it it does like it to be in for with me it does like it you know to me to sit down and be inspired every day to some degree to do something that inspires me or excites me to create from within. But with these podcasts, there's been plenty of times where I'm super inspired and just totally open and channeled. Um, And I'll be ahead of the curve. You know, I'll have two to three weeks ahead. And then they'll go through times where... Checking with my heart every day, and it's like, nope, we're not doing podcasts right now. It's like, okay, we're writing, or we're creating the course, or we're shooting video, or we're doing something else. And first of all, you got to face the understanding, or I have to face the understanding that that's perfect for me. And I'm not letting anyone down because it's just a podcast, right? I'm not letting anyone down by not doing it for a week or whatever. And I'm not beating myself up and I don't feel the pressure to create, which is very interesting. But there's still like a slight nagging of, I hope I don't lose followers or something, which is so fascinating because I don't even gain followers. You know, like who cares? Like whoever's meant to hear this will hear this when they're meant to hear it, if they are, right? So... It's just fascinating how many limiting beliefs are around entrepreneurship, which is why my my second course, my intermediate course, is all about entrepreneurship. I just finished shooting it last week. <clears throat> Excuse me, a little thing in my throat here. <coughs> and um, I just finished shooting it last week. And after you know you've channeled all this amazing information. You sit back and I, you know, re-listen to it while I'm editing it and all that, and I'm like, man, to me, in my opinion, entrepreneurship is the best, best. I think it's the best way to enlightenment. I'm biased, of course, but I think it is for a couple of reasons. As I did a couple, uh, I don't know how many podcasts ago, I talked about the doorways um, out of the labyrinth of reality, of physical reality, the doorways to enlightenment, and one of them is money, obviously. And um, 
because the more you study the energy of money, the more you study the not the mechanics, because that's just surface level shit. That's what I did for a decade before shifting sides here, shifting perceptions. But the more you contemplate the energy behind money and what it's meant to do as a tool, which is to get you to your highest purpose, then you start to see that it's way more... I don't want to say complex. I want to say it's way more fascinating than you would possibly think from the outside. It's just layered beautifully with all kinds of gorgeous complexity. And when you see the whole thing, and I'm not saying I do, I see, I, I, you know, maybe I see 80% of it, if, if that's even possible. But once you see like a big picture... It's beautiful. However, when you don't see the big picture and you're in scarcity vibration, money's a bitch. I had someone come up to me recently, and this is starting to happen more and more. I'm attracting just people uh, uh, off the street. And um, this guy just came up to me and started talking about his vehicle. Like, I was out for a walk, like I am now, and um, apparently he was out for a walk on the same trail, maybe going a different direction or something, so a little trailhead. And I get to my truck, and he walks by and then turns around and walks right up to me and starts talking about his car. This is an older guy, but starts talking about his, his van, his, his vehicle, and how it has transmission problems. He asked me if I'm a transmission mechanic. And I'm like, what are the odds that I would be, right? But okay, maybe he just wants to talk. And he immediately goes into his problems. And then his problem, he's had a, an, a transmission problem for 20 years on his, v, his van, which he must have bought it new because it was a 20-year-old van. You know, you could tell it was 2000 or something. And so, like, when the, when the transmission started acting up, he brought it to a mechanic, and the mechanic ripped him off. And now he doesn't want to ever go back to a mechanic again. So he's been, for 20 years, just dealing with the problem and asking people, and it's like, you got burned one time. That was traumatic enough for you to not try to find another person that could help you? And to just live with the problem? But this is what money... Like, money, tra money traumas do. They, they like, restrict you. They, they, they're, they're like bondage. It's fucking bondage. People see money as bondage when they don't have what they perceive as enough. And they see people with plenty as free. I did. Especially when I was younger and, and you know, growing up in poverty. But freedom has nothing to do with money. Well, let me take a step back. Okay, maybe one of the freedoms has to, maybe two of the freedoms have to do with money. There are seven freedoms in physical reality. Um, 
And as I say them, you're going to be like, oh yeah, no, that's true. But all of them encompass free will. And if any one of them isn't, uh, is, is restricted or taken away, you feel it innately. Because as gods, we, we are gods, we don't have any limitations. So when they're imposed on us, we get real fucking cranky. Um, and that doesn't, that's for everyone across the board, unless you're you know, mentally challenged or something like that. There's always caveats, right? But everyone across the board feels limitation and doesn't like it. Uh, Now, there are plenty of rule followers who have been um, conditionally loved and conditioned into obedience that may seem like they love limitation. But uh, innately, no one likes having their freedoms taken away. So when I say money isn't freedom... Let's just go through the freedoms real quick. So freedom of speech. Does money affect your freedom of speech at all? No. Not one bit. The only thing that um, restricts freedom of speech is being in like countries that have a dictator that you can't talk against, you know, like Russia or whatever, (coughs) or North Korea. And then, of course, the other thing that restricts freedom of speech is censorship, censorship, which is why I boldly and proudly say fuck, shit, cunt, whatever the fuck I want, because that's freedom of speech, and anything else is censorship. I'm a very, very big proponent of freedom of speech. There is no such thing as a bad word that's brainwashing and that leads to censorship, because it shuts down the conversation of why is a word bad. You either have all, you're either all in 100% on freedom of speech or you're not. There is no in-between. Okay, so, but does money affect your freedom of speech? No. Freedom of expression. Maybe a little bit, but no. So you have the freedom to express yourself however however you please. You know, you see this with how you dress and clothes and how you, you know, um, decorate things. Um, but mostly in what comes through in your passions, right? In your gifts and talents. Your unique gifts and talents is how you express yourself, typically. Or, or, you know, if you're a musician or something like that, that's how you express yourself. I express myself in words. Spoken word, um, on the podcast, video, stage, whatever, webinar, workshop, whatever. And, of course, in writing. I'm a writer. So, um... That's how I express myself, but money has no... Like, I could talk into a phone. I mean, yeah, I I pay for the phone or whatever. You know, I have the computer to pay for the podcast, but does money really affect my freedom of expression? Not really. Not really at all. Because if I had, you know, if I had, you know, just $10 million given to me tomorrow, would it change anything with how I express myself? And the answer is no. So money... Or if I had zero money, would it change how I express myself? No, I mean, I might be stressed out, you know, but um, I might not be thinking of how to express myself if my money, if if there was no money, right? Because you're kind of focused on that. That's what it does. But other than that, money doesn't really affect my freedom of expression. Okay. Freedom of thought. Um, ooh. I was going to say absolutely not. You're free to think whatever you want to think. However, scarcity is fucking paralyzing. When you, like I was just saying about expression, when you're broke, it fucking dominates everything that you think about. 
It's like everything is tainted by the lens of scarcity. And even like simple things, <clears throat> you'll imagine, oh, wouldn't it be nice to just go see a friend and then it'll be like, well, I hope, I hope they don't, you know, they don't want to go to dinner with you or something because you're going to have to ask them to pay. Like, so there is, I was going to say you can think whatever you want, but when scarcity has infected your perception, it is, and you're broke, like it's dominating. It is, it is paralyzing is just the best way to put it. But it also, it does that from within the imagination, from within the mind, so that you can't even imagine good things without scarcity creeping in. The guy with the van and the, and the transmission is a great ex- example of this. Like he, every time he gets in his car, he probably imagines driving with no problems and then gets reminded of the issue. And now he can't think about it because money is restricting how he thinks about getting his car fixed. So I was going to say, which is super fascinating. I love this because I learn stuff too. I'm channeling too. I'm, I'm hearing it as it's coming out. And this is why I always just wanted to make these to have a conversation. I write and make podcasts and videos to have intelligent conversations, to open a conversation, to start a dialogue. Someone told me recently, and it hurt, but they told me recently that the way I speak sounds very definitive, like it's my way or the highway, like you can agree with me or fuck off. And I was like, damn, if if I speak like that, that's not my intention. So I'm really going to have to examine that as we go, as I go, you know, further into evolution. But all of this is just to have a conversation. And what's fascinating about scarcity is it shuts down your ability to even talk about money because you feel so ashamed. And as I think about this, yeah, scarcity is, uh, it does limit, scarcity does limit your freedom of thought. However, it's not tied to the amount of money you have. Like you could go through everything I I said with a million dollars in the bank. And I've seen people like this who are stressed out of their mind about money with millions of dollars in the bank. So while freedom of thought is restricted by scarcity, it's not necessarily restricted by money. I hope that makes sense. Um, freedom of feeling so you have the freedom to feel anything you want to feel and everything that you do feel and this is probably one of the most restricted freedoms in today's society because we're living in the emotional dark ages Um, children are taught to suppress their emotions grow up don't cry. Women, especially, and men, I mean, as a man, we, we are taught that all emotion is weak from boyhood on. Pretty much that's just the mantra until you come across someone like me or you come into the spiritual community and you see men cry and it's totally okay and you're like, oh, why, right, why would we suppress a part of ourselves as important as emotion? <laughs> um, but women too, I mean, in the workplace... This is how men control 
This is how the patriarchy stays in power, in my opinion, in a lot of ways, is to suppress emotion. And when women feel emotion in the workplace or even in the home, it's, and it's called out for being weak <laughs> the same way, like, oh, you're emotional, so you're not logical, is the, the narrative, which is total fucking bullshit. Just absolute nonsense. Emotions carry intelligence. Emotions have wisdom within them. So to suppress them or say that they're weak is making you dumb by keeping the ego completely in control. <clears throat> because if you could pay attention to the way you feel about what you think, it would break the chains of bondage and get your freedom of thought back. Yeah. So you have the freedom to feel however you want to feel. Does money have any effect on that at all? No, except just like we said with unless scarcity is infecting your perception, then you're going to be freaked out all the time about money. But again, the amount of money you have doesn't affect that freedom. That's all in the, in the mind. Um, the freedom of change. The freedom of change is the freedom to evolve how you want to evolve. If you watch any movie from the fucking 80s, I, I, I don't know that it's any movie from the 80s, but pretty much any movie from the 80s, it's about teenage life, you know, all the John Hughes films and all that stuff. <clears throat> There's always a parent that wants the child to do something that they don't want to do with their life. Now, that's the major conflict of the teenager, with their parents at least, or with their life. And so the freedom to change is simply the freedom to aim your own evolution how you want. And the fact of the matter is, no parent has any fucking clue what's best for their child. <clears throat> but they don't want to deal with that. So they try to fix their, their fear of their child be, being a failure. They try to fix that fear by, you know, forcing them to be a doctor when they want to be an artist or whatever. Right? It's a tale as old as time, basically. And so, <sighs> freedom of change just means the freedom to evolve however you want, however your heart wants. Now, money doesn't affect that at all. And you might stop and say, Larry, if I had tons of money, I'd buy your course, I'd buy everybody's courses, I would be able to aim my own evolution way different. And what you fail to understand is your heart already knows all that. Your heart already has the path for you to evolve to your highest and best self. And money is there to serve that path serve that purpose. It will show up in the exact amount you need when you start following your heart toward evolving to your highest and best self. So to think that you need money for that, to have that freedom is a lie. The money shows up in response to you using that freedom, the freedom of change, the freedom to evolve however you want. Now, so we've just gone over five freedoms, freedom of speech, expression, thought, feeling, and oh, that's six, and change. Wait, one, two, three, no. Speech, expression, thought, feeling, and change. Well, yeah, that's five. So we went over five freedoms that aren't really affected by money unless you're counting scarcity as uh, it. But like we said, the amount doesn't matter if you're in scarcity. So there's, um, there's five freedoms that aren't affected by money, but there are two that I believe are. And the first one we're going to talk about is freedom of choice. The freedom to choose whatever you want or whatever your heart wants. Now, if you don't have money, 
it's going to be hard to choose a steak tonight for dinner or to buy a brand new car or a house or whatever, right? You don't have the choice. You don't have the whole variety of choices without money, I should say. But again, if we go back to the freedom to change, you have the exact right amount you need to get you to your heart's calling, to get you to the life of your highest and best self, your, the version of yourself that's the highest and best, right? So knowing that, you might not now have choice, but the choice you do have is perfect. Even if that's not a choice at all. Here's what I mean. When I was broke, especially when I was living abroad, <clears throat> I used to say, I used to, I recognized that a lack of resources limits choices, obviously. However, the, the limiting choices is like pruning the branches of a tree or like crossing out the map, like crossing out all the roads on the map that don't work. Basically, a lack of choices funnels you toward the life of the highest and best self, if you're listening to your heart. If there's only one path, then there couldn't be... If there's only one path, then that's the best path. Now, if you're in a daydream and you're completely controlled by the ego and you only see one path because you're a narcissist or sociopath or you're completely brainwashed and you're just a zombie, then obviously a lack of choices is bad <laughs> because you have a lack of choice in your perception. Well, what I'm talking about is following your heart's calling, following your heart, and it's taking you down the path that you know is the right path. Innately, you have a, a sense that this is what I'm, you know, this is where I'm meant to be. And with a lack of money, you have a lack of options, which means you can't get confused or off track. It's not like you come to a fork in the road and you'd be like, well, I have all these money, so I can either do it this way or this way. It's like, no, 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 no. You only have this option. So this is the best one for you. So even though there's a, a la it feels shitty to have a limitation on your freedom of choice, it also is freeing to some capacity because you're not confused by what to choose. So, good morning. So, yes, money does affect your freedom of choice. However, like if you're sitting in a trailer park right now, it's hard to be like, well, I can't choose to have lobster and hang out, you know, on the beach at a mansion, right? I get that. So that is true. However, are you meant to be on a lo eating lobster on a mansion with a beach right now? Or is that future you that's followed your heart's path through the valley and become a master of whatever you're put on this earth to do, right? And if you have that lack of options, how do you know that following your heart isn't leading you to that place? You don't. So anyway, yes, money does affect your freedom of choice. If you're shopping for shoes, you need new shoes, and you only have so much money, the choices are limited. Totally true. However, do you need to have the fucking top of the line shoes to get you to your heart's call? The answer is no. <clears throat> All right. 
And last but not least, freedom of location. This one is more affected by money than anything else. Simply put, you can't move around a lot in your locations without resources. Especially to certain locations like the beach, for example. There's a lot of people on the coast. 40% of all humans live within 50 miles of the ocean. And so it just means, you know, beach prices are a little higher. Um, or, you know, you go into Zurich or Paris or something. So, like, the freedom to move around locations easily is hindered by a lack of money. However, again, if you're meant to be in a certain location, if you're following your heart, then that's where you'll be. I never imagined that I'd be in Western Colorado when I started the journey of my heart's calling. But when I started that, I was in an, uh, for, for like, well, it depends on where you, depends on where you kind of pick up where the journey is. But I like to think of the beginning of 2020 was when I really like, was like, no, I want to pursue this financial shaman and start to shift away from helping people with their money and started shifting toward helping people with their money beliefs. That was, that was pretty much 2020, uh, like January 1, essentially. And, um, but I didn't have a shitload of money. I mean, my business was good. It was doing well, but like I didn't have, I couldn't just hop planes and stuff. Of course, with the pandemic, you really didn't need to, but you know, I got an RV decently priced and had freedom of location ever since. So my point is, the locations that I've been to and I am now, when you're following your heart's path, are exactly where you need to be anyway. So if you're sitting in maybe the town you grew up in, or you're sitting in somewhere you don't want to be, and you're like, if I had money, I could leave, or at least I could travel, A, you don't need a lot to travel. You could get in your car, just depending on how you look at it, you can get in your car and drive or take a train or a bus or something and, and take some time away from where you live and get some perspective. But the point is, you might be sitting with somewhere you don't want to be and thinking, you know, I don't want to be here in a year or five years or whatever. And that's perfect and that's great. But don't think it has anything to do with money. If you had money, could you leave right now? Sure, probably. But I've seen people with plenty of money that are just as stuck as anybody else because of what's going on in their head. <clears throat> so, the location you're at is exactly where you need to be when you let go of FOMO, the fear of missing out. When you let go of looking at you know, comparing where you are to anywhere else. I love San Diego. I see myself there. That's my favorite place in the world. And I've been a lot of places. <clears throat> but that's not where I'm needed right now. That's what my heart is telling me to be right now. And the path that I'm on is more important than that freedom of location. 
And I know in my heart that I'll have that more freedom of location in the future. But the, the whole thing is, these are all the seven freedoms of physical reality. The, all seven of these together combined make the free will. If any one of these is limited, you don't really have free will. <clears throat> Not fully, anyway. And so, what's fascinating is, people think money will give them their freedoms. But as we just went through them, it's got little to do with money and all about what is guiding your decision making. Is it your heart? Is it your inner guidance? Or is it something else? Is it your programming that says, I got to be rich and successful to be worthy of love? Because God knows I fucking listened to that nonsense for a very long time. It's only when you get to having a shitload of money that you're like, why did I do this? What was the point here? Worthiness? Are they tied together? I don't think so. Because I still don't feel worthy even with all this money. So, anyway. Where was I? Your freedom is inside. And what's fascinating is that following your heart feels like you're losing your freedoms in some regard. Because you're handing over your free will to your heart, which immediately limits your freedom of choice. Your choices get narrowed down to your listening to what your heart wants. Which makes you realize <clears throat> that you have a choice between listening to your ego or listening to your heart. Listening to the wisdom within the dark emotions, within the negative emotions, which is to always fix something. Or listening to the wisdom within your heart. Or the positive emotions or unconditional love. And when you, you sacrifice the freedom of choice, when you do that, to some degree, to, when you listen to your heart. But you have to ask yourself, if the choice is between the light and the dark, the ego and the heart, is that even really a choice at all? Unless you want to experience the horror movie. That's what this place is facilitating. This game facilitates playing out the horror movie. <clears throat> you, could totally, you could totally create a nightmare here. And many have. And if you're done doing that, then why would you listen to the dark emotions? Why would you listen to your ego? And not just hand over your freedom of choice and free will to the heart to get you the fuck out of here. Out of the nightmare. But either way, you're going to leave the, this physical dream reality at some point. 
I started this by talking about the money doorway and how um, money and freedom are not synonymous. They're not, you know, to have money doesn't mean you're free or the lack of it doesn't mean you're free, but, or you're, you're caged or whatever. But <sighs> what's fascinating about the money doorway in particular is that it is relentless. So it's the hardest, most difficult doorway in physical reality to get out of the labyrinth and remember who you are. It's the most difficult doorway because it is relentless. Every day you have to deal with money in some way, shape, or form. Every day. Can't get around it. Which means it's a constant, and if you're alive and listening to this, you're a constant. So then who's going to win? And how do you win? What I like to say is you unblock wealth. You unblock abundance from your life by removing all the limiting beliefs. But let me say it in a different way. You remove all the conditions on your love for yourself and for money. You remove all the conditions for your love on yourself and on money. You unconditionally love yourself and you unconditionally love money or the energy with which is within money, which is abundance. Abundance is much more than money, of course, but the frequency money is controlled by is unconditional love, first and foremost, and abundance. You have to unconditionally love yourself, the creator of all things, and money to let it flow. Unconditional, which means you don't talk shit on yourself when money doesn't show up. You don't talk shit on money or God. You don't freak the fuck out. You remember that there's always enough. You remember that you always have enough to get you to your heart's calling. Or the next step to your heart's calling, or the, to do the step that you're on, or whatever you want to say. Every doorway leads you to unconditional love. Every subject that is a doorway will train you how to unconditionally love better which is simply to remove the conditions on your love so <clears throat> the big three which if you master all three you're a master of self are money or manifestation love relationships which is also self-love and body or placebo healing all of these 
require you because they're constants you can never stop loving you just can't so not putting yourself in a love relationship to some degree or putting yourself out there at least with friendships and listening to your heart as to being open to a relationship not that you have to be in a relationship there's plenty of times you don't need to be and you need to take a step back and work on yourself and all that stuff and heal but if you're not at least open to a new relationship a love relationship then you're then that's directly self-sabotaging because why wouldn't you want to share all that you are with someone and evolve with a perfect mirror and a, and a buddy, you know what I'm saying? Or multiple ones, I don't know. So, these three are the big three, but money is the most relentless. You can be celibate from love, people do it all the time, I see it with monks. They're not just celibate from sex, they're celibate from relationships of any kind of romance, right? Just shut that doorway down. The body is also difficult, but if there's no problems with it, you know, my whole, I, I've never really had, thankfully, very many problems with my body. I think I have one broken bone to speak of in my life, <clears throat> cracked my shoulder. No real diseases, little high blood pressure you know, um, stuff like that, but mostly self-inflicted problems, you know, stress and drinking and all that stuff from the past. So if your body's not problematic, it's difficult to use it as a tool to get out of the labyrinth. But money is relentless. It's fucking relentless. So you have to be more relentless than it is. And what I mean by that is you have to constantly be searching your programming for outdated belief systems around money. You have to constantly be feeling every little minute feeling and emotion you feel when you think about money. Every little minute feeling. Oh, I thought about my sister's wedding and the air the airfare price freaked me out okay we'll sit down and process that emotion what does it mean to process an emotion you just simply go what is what is the emotion within freaked out scared worried anxious a little ashamed maybe write those feelings down on paper what do i have to believe and then you ask yourself what do i have to believe about myself in order to feel these feelings, that I'm not good enough, that I won't be able to figure this out, that I won't have enough. And, you know, you just wait for the beliefs to show up. Write them down. What do I have to believe about? Do the same question, but with the situation. What do I have to believe about the situation to feel these feelings? That everybody is going to know I'm broke and I'm a bad sister and blah, or whatever, brother or whatever. I don't know what I said about the, what was the hypothetical of somebody's wedding. And um, you write that down, and then you do the work. Byron Katie's the work. Four questions and a turnaround. Do it on all of them. <clears throat> That's how you process emotion. You, 
examine all the programming and limiting beliefs that you have around money relentlessly. Because if you don't, what's the alternative? Money beats your ass. <laughs> or the ego does, however you want to put it. The limiting beliefs, the programming does. Conditioning. The conditions on your love is the conditioning. That's what you were taught as children. Everyone was taught. That's the game we're in. Everyone was taught conditional love to some degree. And unconditioning is simply unconditionally loving yourself, everyone, and everything that's going on in your head until all belief systems have been shifted to unconditional love. To where the love shines from your heart straight through your conscious awareness. Through the labyrinth of the mind to the conscious awareness so you feel unconditional love at all times. That's what enlightenment is. It's more than just knowing the truth. It's feeling the truth. It's feeling the truth. What if the truth was a feeling? What then? What if it wasn't something to prove? Because the truth is fluid, it changes. It shifts with evolution. Not every truth, obviously. But every truth has the ability to shift. Besides a few of them. You are always unconditional love. That will never change. <clears throat> you will exist forever. That will never change. But a lot of truths shift. But if the truth is a feeling, then you can shift with it if you stay connected to the feeling. The wisdom within the emotion. It's fluid. Like an emotion is. It radiates. I realize, you know, there's always this thing in my head. So I'm, I'm breaking the fourth wall here. Or fifth wall, who the hell, who knows. There's always this thing in my head when I do these talks that tries to remember how far I've come. I'm leaving breadcrumbs looking backward. But I have no idea where you are on your journey. Which is why I make these to start a conversation. Not... <clears throat> tell you that I've found absolute truth or something. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to build a fucking religion, you know. All I want you to do is listen to your heart. That's my only job. Get you back to connected to your heart, listen to your heart, follow in your heart, not me. Or what I did or do. I mean yes you can take the tools and use them to help you follow your heart. You know, processing emotion, undoing trauma unblocking wealth, but I have no idea where you are in your journey. And I always try to think like this, all of the stuff that's coming through me makes sense. 
because of my experiences, because of all the work I've done. But I have no idea where you are, if this is even gibberish to you. And I say that because I'm always looking at the perception of, have I gone too far? Have I gone too far now I'm disconnected from people that need my help? Or want my help, I guess? That's why I love speaking from stage or in a webinar or workshop or whatever because you can ask questions of the audience and check in to see where they are like and hear their stories and hear their feedback and meet them where they are instead of me just kind of spouting off what's coming through me and I'm not saying it's not amazing I love this channeling and I get a lot out of it so I don't even you know really care if anyone's listening but it's just a fascinating thought to be like have I gone too far because, like, that guy that came up to me talking about his transmission, that is so child's play, it's ridiculous. That's not even second grade math to me. Like, okay, you had a financial trauma. Process it, undo the trauma. In this day and age, we have put laws in place that stop that kind of thing from happening when it comes to mechanics. You can always get a free estimate and free diagnosis of your problem. If they offer, I mean, you can shop around, most do. And if they don't fix the problem by law, they either have to refund you or fix the fucking problem. Because that's how shady mechanics stayed in business for so long, we had to put laws in place. Why is it so difficult to find a good mechanic? And why do cars break down? I'm kidding. So many moving parts. Um, anyway, I, spouting off here about missing the stage, I guess, or not being able to hear your comments and responses. But no matter where you are, it's perfect. It's like no matter where I am, it's perfect. And if you understand this, great. If you don't, great. Some of it resonates, awesome. If it doesn't, that's great too. You know, we move on to something that does, right? But for those of you brave souls who have chosen money as a way to remember who you are, as a catalyst for growth, to be like, no, I'm going to fucking sit here and figure this money thing out. I'm going to listen to my heart. I'm going to undo my beliefs. I'm going to stop believing the bullshit that I don't deserve money. I'd, I need to work hard for it. All that stuff. I'm going to sit here and figure this out. That was me. 2020. January 1. Two, almost three years ago. Fuck, has it been that long? Oh my God. Sorry. It's, it's so funny. It feels like way more. It feels like 20 years ago in some regards. And it feels like yesterday, like last year. Anyway, sorry. So when I sat down January 2020, I was like, I'm going to figure this out. I've spent so much time with spirituality. 
I've spent so much time with money. Like, if there's a way that these are interconnected, I'm going to fucking sit here and figure it out. And luckily I had, you know, great inspirations. Byron Katie's The Word came to me early on. I mean, I had heard of it and I had worked with it in the past, but not, it never really stuck. I liked it. I always just kept it in the back of my mind. But I didn't use it um, as a tool until, until it was time, you know. And, uh, but if for those people who are sitting there like, I'm going to figure this shit out. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is. But you have to be relentless. You have to be relentless. I, I remember this talk that Jordan Peterson gave. And I, I like Jordan Peterson, um, but I do disagree with him on many points. But I like the way he approaches things, similar to the way I approach things, in that we try to stay open. I don't, I don't, I, when I hear him, I don't hear him speak in absolutes, but I can also hear that perception when people say that he does. And so I'm like, fuck, now I feel like I'm in the same boat. But anyway, point is he had this great talk one time about, um, child raising and how, um, children test your fences constantly. They test your boundaries over and over and over again. And you have to be more relentless than they do, than they are. You can't just cave because then they win. And now they know that your boundaries are bullshit. But you also have to be really, this is coming from me, not him. You also have to be very selective on what boundaries. Most parents put so many fucking boundaries and restrictions in places ridiculous. You need to really be able to die on a few hills like this, not a lot of them. But bottom line is, he was using the example of putting a child to sleep. And, you know, you, let's say they're a toddler, you know, they're three or whatever, three, four, and they are just full of energy when it's time for bed. And you just gently lay them down, you know, put them to sleep and then leave the room. They get up, you put them back, you put them back, you put them back. You don't ever give in because they're the child and you're the adult. They will finally go to sleep because they will give up on testing the boundary. They will see that it's an impenetrable wall and they'll just be like, fuck it. I, I, I accept this wall and I'm just going to stop resisting it. That's what happens with money. You keep after this fucking problem and every other problem that it brings you. Which is really coming from the ego, but still. <clears throat> you keep after it. And you're like, no, I'm the adult. I'm the God. I'm the one that will figure this shit out in my own way. It may seem a lot like mine, you know, like Larry, you know, like the financial shamans. But it may not. It may seem completely out of the field. It doesn't fucking matter. There are universal truths. And there are stuff that's just you. And everything in between. And your path is uniquely your own. Just like your heart's calling is uniquely your own. I don't expect you to be a shaman like me. It could be a d tons of different stuff. I'm an artist. A musician. 
Who knows? Something that's never even thought of yet. Something that's uniquely you. But you have to be relentless. You can never give up. Once you start, you can never stop. You can take breaks. Hopefully not for too long. You can take big breaks and vacations. And hiatuses. But you better not be gone too long. Because why? Because money is relentless. You take a hiatus, you think you're not going to have to fucking deal with money? all about removing the conditions on your love for it, yourself, and source. Emotional intelligence is the best tool. If I, did, if I could tell myself that January 20-year-old, or January 2020 self, if I could give them any kind of a hint, it would be fucking study emotional intelligence. Become a master of that. That will help you get there so much faster. I mean, three years is pretty fast, I think, but still. You have to put the child to sleep. You have to hold that line. Be like, I am eternal. This is temporary. I will eventually win. Determination. Determination simply means when you get knocked down, you get back up and do it again. And again. And again and again and again. Ten thousand ways to make a light bulb. All you need is one. Just one. So much more magnificence behind the curtain of Oz than I ever thought possible. From my childishly limited perspective when I started this journey of shifting beliefs around money. (laughs) It's like the higher you go, the more magnificent it is. The higher in consciousness. Which just simply means the most the more truth in the subconscious mind. The higher the consciousness level is just more truth. It's less limiting beliefs, less lies in the subconscious. You're not good enough, you don't deserve money, is the root of all evil. All that shit is a lie. The more you remove the lies from the subconscious, the higher your consciousness level goes. You know, when you say, you know, you see David Hawkins, I think he's the only one who's really delved into this besides well, I haven't studied who's done it or not. doesn't matter. David Hawkins made it famous. <clears throat> the consciousness scale. You know, zero to a, or actually one to a thousand. And he could muscle test, and you can too, if you get good at muscle testing. You can muscle test your consciousness level. Always test, always ask your heart what your consciousness level is. What that simply means is, and it's, you know, the average consciousness of the planet is, what is it, 550 right now? Something like that. And which means that someone with a 550 consciousness level has, is only living with 55% truth. 
if you just put this is if the last number has a decimal in between it and then you put a percentage on it that's what it means so if you have a 675 consciousness level your belief in your subconscious mind is 67.5 percent of the truth so to get to a thousand it has to be a hundred percent true you have to be living with a hundred percent truth in your subconscious mind that's the light of your heart passing through the mind straight to your conscious awareness and the wisdom from the heart is what runs everything and the mind is simply used as a tool to interpret the wisdom of the heart to utilize the wisdom of the heart they work together in tandem when the mind is scrubbed clean of lies which takes time which is why you have to be relentless because it takes time you can't just flip a switch become a master that doesn't work in anything yes you can have natural ability for sure but natural ability alone doesn't make you a master it's whatever natural ability you have or don't have plus 10,000 hours of practice I've put in my 10,000 hours boys and girls that's how relentless I was in the past three years I've done non-stop work on myself more than eight hours a day I came I became obsessed with it to the point where I have to ask myself that I go too far can I still relate to people can I still talk to people Are the words I'm putting on these podcasts, does it make sense to everybody or to the majority? And of course, does it need to? I I mean, I'd like it to. I'd like to be able to speak in a way that you understand at least what I'm saying. Maybe it doesn't resonate with you. But that you at least understand the concepts and the perceptions because if you do they will help you a great deal can you be relentless more than money Like, what if you kept a little journal? I did this, not with money, but I kept a little journal on me at all times. I haven't done it for a while, though. Where I would just, you know, write down inspirations and quotes and stuff that came to me. Gratitudes, ideas. Could you keep a little journal on you at all times? And just write down, put a little tick mark. You know how they do the like one, two, three, four, and then the slash through them to count for five. Could you do that every time you thought about money? Or that might sound like a lot. Or every time you encountered money in your daily life to some degree. Could you 
when you encountered money, just put a little tick mark in the journal just to see, you know, maybe do that for a week or a couple of weeks just to see how many times you encounter money throughout the day. You know, if you're not in finance or something like that, you know, maybe you go to lunch and you get gas after work and you hit the grocery store, you're pickets from kids from school and you got to pay for, you know, band practice. Like, how many times do you encounter money throughout the day? Three, four, five, ten times a day? Obviously, every day is not going to be the same. So, what is it, 70 times in a week or something? 30 times in a week? What is it? Because then you got to think, what other subject takes up that much mental energy? Where you're encountering it, encountering it seven to ten times a day, three to five times a day, whatever it is, I don't know. Then the next part of it is, because now you see kind of the scope. How many times am I dealing with money in a day or a week or a month? Yeah, I mean, toward the end of the month, you're going to be dealing with it a lot, Right? Or the beginning of the month, whatever it is. So now you got you kind of see the scope of what you're up against. Jesus, seven times a day I got to deal with money on average? Wow. Then you move over to how does it feel every time? Keep a journal on that. You know, the first time I encountered money today in the morning when I got Starbucks, I was fine. The second time at lunch, for some reason I felt ashamed because I wanted... To buy the, you know, a round of drinks for my coworkers, but it costs too much. I don't know what it is. Like, how does it feel every time you encounter it? Then you notice, wow, 80% of the time I'm feeling not good enough? Like, of the seven times a day I encounter money, five of those times, they make me feel not good enough or ashamed. That means you're constantly triggered into feeling not good enough or ashamed. That's how I lived my life for 30-whatever years. 35 years, whatever, until this all happened. So could you keep a little journal just as, just as an awareness tool? And you don't have to keep it forever. You know, you do a week or two to see how many times you encounter money, and then you do a week or two to see how you feel throughout the day when it gets triggered. Then you've got a good understanding of how relentless you need to fucking be. Then that journal turns into, okay, I felt ashamed today about money. What do, and then you write down, I felt ashamed. And you sit and you go, what do I have to believe about money or myself to feel ashamed? That I'm never going to figure this out, that blah, blah, blah. There's all your beliefs to work on. Relentless. Do you have to do this every time? No, but why not? If you can, if you have the space and time. Or maybe just mark it out throughout the day and then come, you know, you have like a little meditation hour or a meditation 30 minutes and this is part of it. Meditate for 15 and work on these beliefs and all these feelings that you felt about money for 15. I don't know. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. The child finally goes to sleep. And what you realize is money taught you how to be its master. I hope something I've said has helped you here today. 
Thank you for listening. I do appreciate it. And I do not believe my truths are absolute. I'm totally open to discuss them. (sighs) If you ever feel like, you know, you want me to comment on something or talk about something in particular, shoot me an email, thefinancialshaman at gmail. But thank you again for listening. I appreciate you. We are different trees in the same forest, different mountains on the same range, one heart, same family. My unconditional love to you. Be well. Be relentless, but also be gentle with yourself. That will be the other thing I would tell myself three years ago when I started emotional intelligence, but also just be fucking gentle on yourself. Beating yourself doesn't help anything. You get so much farther forgiving yourself than beating yourself up. Shame doesn't correct behavior. So be gentle with yourself, and I'll see you next time. Good journey, my friends.